Hello and welcome to Backchat, your podcast all about scoliosis, yoga and back care. My name is Christine Jaregiberry. I'm a yoga teacher, creator of the Yogaberry Yoga for Scoliosis community and YouTube channel. And this show is all about supporting you on your scoliosis journey. So if you're looking for practical advice and inspiration on how to manage the condition with yoga and movement, then you're in the right place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Backchat. Welcome to Yoga Berry, your yoga for scoliosis community. Thank you so much for those of you who are tuning in already. So nice to, to see some of you already waiting here to um, meet, I'm sure, my lovely guest for today. And we've we've tried actually a few times already. So I'm I'm very, very pleased that it's it's actually happening today, which is amazing. Um, so obviously, if you are here live, then feel free to use the chat and just um, tell us where you're from, tell us uh, where you are in the world and come and say hello to us. Let us know if you've got any questions and what we are going to be talking about. Well, we're going to see where, where it takes us, but I definitely want to talk about um, Celeste's new book, which I've got here actually as well for those of you who are interested about um, hypermobility and we're going to be talking about how this relates to scoliosis of course. Good so let me bring her on right now so we've got the lovely Celeste Pereira hello. Hello <laughs> my love and listen I just wanted to say I, I run a podcast right and honestly guys it's a logistical nightmare trying to get people in and I feel Christine pain because she was trying to get me and I was being those people but I'm like I can do this day I can't do that day I can't how do does this day. work my audio doesn't work yeah this was happening then that went wrong and honestly thank you for your patience because it's such an honor to be here with you and your community and a big hello to all of you guys who are out there those of you who are working with your bodies and working towards a brighter future I am so honored to be here with you guys yeah, thank you so much. And Celeste has, you were um, a guest, obviously, on Backchat very, very early on. I think it must have been one of the first episodes, really. So I really appreciate you coming back. And obviously, in the meantime, you've uh, created this, which is amazing. Thank you. My How love. did and you do that? I mean, I've I been reading through it. Um, and I oh went my goodness. in the middle of the night when I was having insomnia. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not something I should probably let you guys in on, but it would really, I, through lockdown, uh, the stress of lockdown, I don't know if anyone out there had stress through lockdown, but it really affected me. And I was not sleeping at night. And instead of just lying there, I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to bloody well write this book. <laughs> and it just poured out of me. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Because I was, again, I've been reading it for the, for the last um, few days and the amount of work that has gone into it and the amount of research and the amount of learning, you know, I know that you're such a big fan of always learning new things as well. So it's, uh, it's very, very inspiring. So well done. Thank you so much. And actually, just before we carry on, I have to be transparent with you guys. I didn't write the book alone. I wrote it alongside my other Bendy friend, Adele Bridges, and also my assistant, um, Ceci. She helped us with the references. So guys, so much work went into this book, but I could never have done it alone. So I just wanted to 
I give a big shout out to the people who supported me through this journey. Yes, yes, absolutely. And really, really, um, I'm sure you've you've had a, a fabulous graphic designer as well. This is just something to, to mention, I think, because it's such a fun read. And um, there's for those of you who will hopefully get the book, it's like, um, yeah, it's like a story of superheroes, which is, yeah, which the is comic, amazing. Comic yeah. book. And guys, the reason we did that is because I don't know if you have ever bought any anatomy books or any books about any kind of anatomical subject, but I find it really hard to finish them. I page yeah. through the pictures and I get I get started, but I find it really hard to get through all the content. And so we decided early on, look, obviously, if you buy the book, you don't get all the way through it, 100% know what it's like to juggle all the different areas of life. But even if you do sit down to read a few of the chapters and you kind of enjoy the process, you'll maybe get through a bit more content. So we wrote it with a very lighthearted, tongue-in-cheek. Um, we've got these characters, they're superheroes, and we've got super villains as well. And it's yeah. just to kind of um, make it a bit more fun as opposed to just a standard old anatomy book. So we hope that translates and that you guys enjoy it as much as mm. we enjoyed writing it. Yes, absolutely. Yes, and absolutely exactly what you say. I mean, I've got so many books here, then I'm like, oh, I really need to need to read them. And they're just sitting there, basically. And um, but I know that it's gonna, it's gonna be a lot of brain power and all of this to to actually get through them. So this has really been quite refreshing and like a really fun read, but so much quality information as well. Thanks, oh, um, thanks. I really yeah. appreciate you saying that, Christine. One of the people who bought the book wrote to me and she said um, she sat down on the stairs and she, she it had just arrived and she sat down and started reading it and her boyfriend went out for a run and he came back an hour later and she was still on the stairs and he went, must be good then. Uh, <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> yes, and very practical as well. So, you know, there's, there's things that you can do straight away, you know, um, so, so really, really great things to implement as well. But, but um, listen, let's give these guys who are on this live some some cool stuff for themselves yes. to be doing because yes. I really want to keep you guys engaged as well and answer any questions that you might have about your bodies, particularly if you think you're hypermobile. Yes, so don't absolutely. hesitate. So we've got a few people tuning in um, already, and we've got uh, Ritu saying hi, Christine, oh, hi, Celeste hi, from, from India. India. Wow um uh, got uh mild left lumbar scoliosis um a loss of cervical lordosis can you both please suggest a few exercises for both for now i'm following your videos for scoliosis and and doing side plank okay great so you're already getting into the into wow, the exercise fantastic my love good and then we've got um sue miller is saying i'm sure i have some um, ligament laxity i also have a reverse cervical curve can you help and yes maybe let's let's get into this uh, because obviously our topic today is hypermobility so i just want yes. to make sure and i know everyone always has millions and millions of questions so we'll, we'll try to answer them obviously as, as best as we can but let's maybe um uh, link it back to to this 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 topic obviously of of hypermobility and scoliosis so i have done a little bit of research i don't know if you have found some connections there between hypermobility and scoliosis 100 percent. it's really really common 
for the two to correlate together. They don't necessarily always go together, but they're definitely, it is quite common to see the two work together. And guys, you know, if you're watching this and you're like, you know, I'm quite stiff, that doesn't necessarily mean that you aren't hypermobile. Ah, and that's a little okay. bit of a confusing one. You know, a lot of times people really equate being very bendy, every single joint in your body is so loose and lax. And you know, that's, the, that's what is the reason, that's what tells me I'm hypermobile. But the mm -hmm. thing is with hypermobility, and maybe you guys will see yourselves in what I'm about to describe, is that around your joints, there is a laxity. And because of that ligamentous laxity, your muscles are like, oh, I need to work really hard to help support your body. And so you actually feel quite stiff. You maybe feel like, mm. oh, a twist is quite stiff or, oh my goodness, trying to get into certain positions is stiff. And it's because neurologically your brain is trying to keep you safe. And as a result, your muscles are like really going for gold. And what you actually need are your stability muscles to kick in a bit more but they're not very good at kicking in. So then all the other muscles that haven't evolved for that um, constant engagement, they then are firing up more than they normally would. And so as a result, you tend to, you know, walk around like a bit like an old lady getting out of a chair for the first time in 10 hours. Yeah. Wow, that is so interesting. Feel that. That's how I get out of a chair these days. I'm like, eh. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Because I was thinking, so I um, uh, obviously earlier on in the, in, in, in the book, you, you're telling us what it actually means to be hypermobile. And maybe we can give people, um, you know, the, the, this, the, this part of the test, obviously, that's called the Baton test, I think, isn't it? Yeah, just to, before though, let's yeah. just cover. So hypermobility is obviously a genetic disorder. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't even like using the word disorder because I think it's more of a superpower, really. Like once you understand it and you can harness the powers, it can be really empowering. But the thing about it is it's a collagen defect. Right. So you want to think like collagen is the most abundant protein. And it's all over. It's all over your hair and your arms and your legs and all of your tissues. And with the collagen is normally organized. It normally kind of follows a logical pattern. I'm just trying to find the camera. <laughs> But when you have a collagen defect, it's a little bit disorganized. So the tissues aren't as responsive. They aren't as um, robust. You know, they haven't got that recoil that you would expect from certain tissues. Mm -hmm. um, and so, as you can imagine, this has sort of a long repercussion of symptoms within the body. And one of them is, of course, experiencing joint laxity. And Christine touched upon something called the Bainton scale. So let's run through what those are so you guys can check yourselves. And remember, you can feel stiff, but still score quite high on the Bainton scale. And the first right. two are your fingers bending beyond 90 degrees. So if you take your little finger and you bend beyond 90, that's one, two. Okay. So what do you mean by 90 degrees? Where's the 90 degrees? So that this is the, uh, again, the camera's throwing me yeah. off. This is straight. And then that would go beyond that 90 degrees. That, that, that this is the 90 degrees that I'm bending backwards with my little finger. Okay. okay. So, so okay. where am I? <laughs> you're, you're just, just shy of 90 degrees, actually, okay. I'd say. It's, uh, so you do this on both one, sides, right? Two, yeah, because they both, they both, um, you both, you can score both. So that's okay. two points. So if you score both, it's a two. If you only get one of those fingers going beyond 90, it's a one. And then the second one is bringing your thumb all the way in. <laughs> this camera is really throwing me off, guys. Yeah, I'm so I sorry. That's the first time I'm doing, I'm doing this it with camera vibes. <laughs> this thumb coming all the way down here. And then this thumb coming 
<laughs> all the way oh my goodness <laughs> I can see it yes <laughs> so one two three four right so you've got four points there and then the yep. next two are your elbows bending beyond 90 again okay so, so I think this is where I have a yeah this is where we're going to get naked for the camera and get loads of subscribers <laughs> yeah there we are so you can see there would be sort of um 180 but i go beyond yeah um, i think i get a point there as well you get a couple of points so then it's again two points one two so we've got okay one two three four five six yeah and then um you also have your knees that go beyond 90 degrees so if you stand straight and you lock your knees out do not 90 degrees 180 degrees do they bend sort of beyond a straight knee. Yeah. And then the last point, which is number nine, is both hands can be flat on the ground with your knees straight. Right. And they say that if you can score anywhere from like four, five onwards, that means that you're leaning towards hypermobility. Mm -hmm. But what makes it difficult to really go, oh yeah, you know, you've definitely got hypermobility is because some people have acquired mobility through things like gymnastics training. And their right. coaches were quite rough with them and they would like really bend them into positions. Other people just have that natural flexibility, but it doesn't mean they're hypermobile. If we score quite high on the Bayton scale in conjunction with the comorbidities, which I'm going to run through now, that's usually when we start thinking, mm, maybe there's something going on here. And the comorbidities, the three classic ones are fatigue, gut issues, and anxiety. Okay. And if so you're like, fatigue, oh, gut issues, anxiety, yeah. Let's... You're kind of more tired than your mates usually after a long walk. You've got that anxious energy, you know, that kind of is simultaneously helpful and holds you back. Um, and then uh, the last one is gut issues. Your guts, you've done all the right diets. You've really been good about avoiding the glutens and the dairies, and yet your gut is still sort of problematic. Mm -hmm. Now, guys, I just want to throw this in before you start going, that's me. Please remember <laughs> that hypermobility is on a spectrum. Yeah. So it's very, you know, it's one of those things. It's going to change throughout your life. It's going to change from day to day. It's going to be different in every single human body. So we've given it this blanket term, hypermobility, but we're still learning a lot about it. And particular with the relationship to scoliosis. So, uh, so because you were saying it, it can change, um, can it get better? Can it? Hundred percent. Yeah. It can get better. I would say that what we're seeing till now, given obviously, guys, how how many years ago did we start talking about hypermobility? Three or four? It's still quite new. You know, I, I've been hypermobile my whole life, and I even trained as a physio, and I'd only figured out that I was hypermobile fairly late in life. So I would say we're still learning a lot. And, you know, right now, what we know of people who sort of started out very hypermobile as children is as they get older, the bendiness that they experience in their body starts to decline. Now, there's a yeah. few theories. Is that because they're not moving as much? You know, as you get older, you get more like sedentary or is that because your tissues actually go through a physical change? We aren't totally sure. One thing that kind of persists though are those comorbidities. Mm -hmm. And it's those comorbidities that I actually want you guys, I want you to almost think body separate, you know, those, you know, the, the test, how bendy am I? Put that to one side for a minute and ask yourself about the comorbidities. 
ask yourself, do I get the fatigue, the anxiety and the gut issues? And there right. are a few others, but those I think are the, the most frequently occurring in our hypermobile family. Mm. So I had a um, I had a look at a at a few studies, obviously, with um, to do with hypermobility and and scoliosis, and I found that quite quite interesting. That quite a few of them mentioned over half over fifty percent of people with scoliosis also have um, hypermobility, or what's the what's the other J EDS J EDS yes. EDS. So yeah. guys, EDS is Elos Danlos syndrome, two mm -hmm. blokes just threw their name into that right. terminology. But the, the thing that's kind of different about EDS is it's very severe. Okay. So you've got obviously your bendy people like me, mm -hmm. I've got a bit of hypermobility, but you know, I'm, I, I have comorbidities, but I'm coping quite well moving through life. EDS peeps are the real superheroes on this planet because you know, they're, they're, the, the comorbidities I mentioned, the physical challenges I mentioned are magnified and mm -hmm. they have sincerely tried to get support from many different practitioners. And are often, I mean, this is for all hypermobile people, but particularly the EDS community are told that it's in their head, that they're hypochondriacs. Right. And, I, I, and the other thing to note about EDS is it can often be related to something called mast cell syndrome, which I don't know much about, but basically it's a histamine response in your body. So you eat certain foods and you know, if there's bouncers at a club and they keep everyone safe, but sometimes the bouncers can get a little out of hand. It's sort of the same in your body. You've got these, um, this inflammatory response, which is really important for keeping the baddies out, but sometimes they can become a little bit rowdy and they can take over your body and make you feel quite rough and unwell. And basically, this is also a big part of EDS that we're only now discovering uh, can add to someone's uh, experience in life. Mm. <laughs> I just I want to acknowledge people here in the chat because, there, you know, there's a lot of questions yeah. coming in. And, and I, okay, I, yeah, I, do want to, I do want to keep us on track, obviously. So um, let's have uh, a look at the questions for sure. Yeah. So don't take it personally, guys. If I don't read out your, your question, I'm just trying to to kind of sort of keep it on topic um, because I know, you know, and I really appreciate you turning up obviously as well. So Laura is asking if hypermobility could cause scoliosis in, in some cases. Yes, it can. It can. We, we aren't totally sure what causes scoliosis. There are lots of theories. Um, and actually, Christine, is now a good time for me to talk about the vestibular theory. Yeah, yeah. Let's Do you want to ask a that. few more questions? Do you prefer to kind of flag a few more questions? Um, I'm just feeling so that they ones. might take us, yeah, and they might take us uh, to into a different direction. So let's keep them for, for later. Um, but yeah, why don't you talk about this first? Because, you know, I really want to make sure that we're linking this and, and making it relevant, obviously. Um, to the topic to, and then we can always hang out afterwards and, exactly. and go through the questions exactly so the one of them what, being are you ticklish so uh, and where very, <laughs> so i do want to come cool. back to that because i do want to know obviously as well <laughs> i'm super ticklish and everywhere <laughs> but that can also be a threat response from the brain so remind me we should talk about threat response okay. and pain response because okay. i think you guys will find that really interesting <laughs> so the question was, is, does hypermobility cause um, scoliosis? And for me to say, absolutely, 
would really be incorrect and, and, and infactual because we aren't totally certain about exactly what causes scoliosis. However, there are a few interesting theories. And obviously one of them is the laxity of the tissues means that the body sort of starts to assume a shape. Um, but I think the additional layer of information that you guys might find really interesting is that one of the things that are correlated with hypermobility is something called a vestibular deficit. Now, a vestibular organ, you have two, one on the side, one on the side, just on the inner ear. If you had to stick your fingers through your skull and pop out just beyond the bone, you'd be touching these little snail-like structures. One half of that is for hearing, and then the other half, you've all heard this, is your balance system. Mm -hmm. Your vestibular system deals with your balance. And you know, if someone has a vestibular disorder, they get like really dizzy. And that's because these organs ask two questions. Which way is up? And what direction am I moving? And imagine how important these questions are. Because if you didn't know which way is up, imagine how disorientating it would be for your brain to cope with its environment. And you see this often that if someone has a severe vestibular deficit, they're vomiting, they're dizzy, they're lying on the floor, quivering, they're in a lot of fear because yeah. they're afraid of falling. So what we, now I'm describing very severe vestibular disorders. In people with hypermobility, we do see a low grade deficit. Their vestibular system isn't quite as responsive as we'd like. And one of the ways you can think about that is in a cup, if you have water and you tip the cup, the water responds, right, to the way mm -hmm. you move the cup. And that's kind of what's happening in your inner ear. But if we had to put jello and we had to tip it, it would just be like bloing, bloing. But if we had to maybe pour something thicker, I'm trying to think of what can I, what's a good example, Christine? That's on the tip of my tongue. A really thick, well, like honey, honey. Mm. If you had to turn it, then it's like, ooh. There's like a viscosity to it. You turn and like it takes a little moment. Yeah. That's sort of what's also happening with people's vestibular systems. They aren't as responsive. Mm -hmm. Now, do this with me, everyone watching. Give me um, like three pointy things. A thumb going inwards to your face. A middle finger pointing forwards towards me. And an index finger pointing up. So these are the yeah. three planes that your vestibular system are dealing with. And you can do them with me. You can nod your head forwards and back. Good. And then you can also rotate side to side. Obviously, you have to move your thumbs. Don't hit yourself in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one is on a tilt. You can move your hands because it will get confusing. But tilt one way. And then yeah. move your nose up and down like one half of an X. Yeah. And then we can tilt our head the other way. And again, one half of an X. Now, those three things, rotation, flexion and extension, side flexion, are not mm -hmm. just happening in your neck. We've just experienced it in the neck, but it happens throughout your whole spine. And there's actually a reflex in your brain, uh, in your body, called the vestibulospinal reflex. And one theory, again, guys, this is just a theory, is that the hypermobile community, we've got this vestibular deficit, and this reflex isn't operating quite as well. The right. brain gets a bit confused as to which way is up. Okay. And so what it does is one side goes 
oh, we'll rotate, side flex and extend. And it governs the muscles and how the muscles respond to gravity. Mm-hmm. Now, what we normally do as scoliosis people and hypermobile people is we're like, I've got to get stronger. I've got to fix my posture. So you're in the gym and guys, respect to you. I know how much hard work you're putting into your bodies. You're doing all the classes and guys, you have to keep doing that. Don't stop. But remember, what you are dealing with are the lower order systems, the nuts and bolts of the body, the mm-hmm. joints, the muscles, the tendons, the ligaments. And that's good. But without addressing the higher order systems, it's almost like you're always going to be walking backwards on that, um, walking up an escalator that's going down. One Mm -hmm. step up, two steps down. One step up, two steps down. Because this is what's in charge. This is one of the first things to develop in a fetus when it's developing in its mommy's tummy. One of the first things to develop is the vestibular system. It is far more important than your nut, your joints and uh, your muscles and your bones. You can qu- live quite easily without an arm. You'll right. get by, but without your vestibular system, very hard. Mm-hmm. And th- this, uh, so how does this relate to, to the hypermobility? That's not what I'm not quite clear on. The two is go it, together. So yeah. when somebody has hypermobility, what we often see is the deficit in the other. We aren't sure exactly why, but okay. my suspicion is that hypermobile people from birth don't move as much as the non-hypermobile people. And I saw this mm-hmm. in my niece. She was born severely hypermobile. She didn't walk till she was two. She just sat around. Oh, so okay. her vestibular system didn't get the inputs of being mm-hmm. pushed over and falling of um, climbing up and falling down, of practicing roly-polies. Later on a bit, but she's not as physical as I see kids who haven't got hypermobility. Mm-hmm. So that's, again, just a theory, guys. Okay, try and sprinkle into the words I'm saying um, an open-minded approach because I'm giving you a tiny snapshot of the human body, which is so complex. Yeah. And there's so much nuance to the body. So what I'm saying, just take a step back and zoom out and know that this is one piece of a giant puzzle. Mm, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's there's um, continuous research about this as well, isn't it? <coughs> so things do um, develop as well. And we're learning more and more about this. Okay, so you've got a question here. So how does vestibular deficit get diagnosed versus needing uh, to realign vestibular rocks frequently? Yeah, so what I'm talking about is not realigning the the rocks. It's more about getting that viscosity in the fluid moving more freely and also just challenging the the nerves. Remember, if you don't use it, you lose it. So mm-hmm. those you've got like little um, hairs that are like with the rocks that are on top and they get pulled. But the important thing to notice about them is that there are nerves that are connected to them. And those nerves, if you don't challenge them, they're like, oh, I'm not needed. Oh, I'm going to go to Mexico and have cocktails. <laughs> but what you want to do is keep them responsive, right, by practicing them. So instead of thinking, oh, I'm going to realign my rocks, which is really like quite intense, Just think about using your body and your head, particularly in more ways than just keeping it really static on your body. And we see this when people do yoga. I'll just slide. (laughs) They go like, you know, they do, they they have some up and down in the yoga practice, but you know, they practice with their head always. 
very slow. But what if you did your whole practice with your head tilted? Or mm. what if you were moving your head as you were doing your practice? This is going to stimulate those nerves and that fluid, and it's going to be um, a big challenge, a mm. big, big challenge. Now, I've given you those three planes of movement. Yeah. So one, forward and back. The other one, side to side. And the last one was tilt with rotation. Now, option one, stand with your, in fact, do this with me now, guys. Just stand up, close your eyes. <laughs> and I want your feet. Now, by the way, as we do this, if you start feeling dizzy or nauseous or you feel any discomfort, you straight away open your eyes and broaden your foot stance. If you have any nervousness about trying this, go near a wall or a chair, something you can hold on to. I want your brain to feel safe. Okay, so the first thing we're gonna do is bring our feet to touch. Bring your feet all the way into touch. Your arms are relaxed beside you. If they turn into little surfer arms to help you balance, that's totally cool. And close your eyes. And Christine, maybe pop your glasses off as well. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh dear. I'm lost without my glasses. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll talk about vision in a moment too. So close yeah. your eyes and just stand. And what I want you guys to feel is, is there a little sway in the body? Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. And do you feel that potentially you sway one way more than the other? Yeah, definitely. I'm falling over to the left. <laughs> so then that can give us clues like... about your about your brain and particularly about your about your vestibular system and how that relates to certain parts of your brain. And so now another challenge for you guys. Remember, you can always open your eyes if it's too much. Can you tilt your right ear towards your right shoulder? And notice how is that different? So we're going That's actually really better. <laughs> you prefer it. So again, now we're starting to learn about what your mm. brain needs. Now try tilt your ear the other way. Notice how slowly we're going, how we're building things up very gently. And you, if you're feeling like, whoa, this is already too much, know that there are regressions even from what we're doing. Mm. We're going to bring our head back to neutral, and then we're going to bring our chin down to our chest. And notice what happens in your body as you do that. Yeah, quite wobbly. <laughs> and then slowly chin up. You don't have to crunch your neck. If your neck is tender, you can just lift up a little bit. These can be quite small movements when you start. And then coming back to neutral again, you're going to turn to look over one shoulder, turn the head in a rotation. Oh, that's well, probably the worst one. <laughs> there you go. That's giving us clues about your brain and then turn mm. the other way. Well done. Okay, relax from that. This is one vestibular drill that we've tried and we've got ways of making this harder and ways of making it easier. Sometimes we can keep the eyes. In fact, let's try this one more. Stay mm -hmm. where you are, Christine. Find a dot for you to focus your eyes on somewhere, maybe behind your laptop or your computer. Yeah. And then with your eyes on that dot, don't move your eyes off the dot, but turn your head side to side. Yeah, good. How does that feel? 
Yeah, that's all right. If you're like, actually, this is quite easy. Now try the same thing with your eyes closed. Okay, but pretending I'm... You don't have to worry. Your eyes will do their own yeah, natural thing. They will do. In your head. Yeah, okay. You don't, you don't just, have to control your eyes. Just moving the head from side to side. Mm -hmm. How's that feeling? Yeah, I'm, I'm making this a little bit smaller, so I'm staying in my safe zone, but I know... So you I don't fall on your off. plant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, listen, guys, that is a tiny snapshot of vestibular drills. Um, and Christine knows that I am doing a neuroscience course with a company called Z Health. And actually, what they have on their website, guys, can I put something in the chat? Will people see it, Christine? Yeah, of course. Okay. And it... It says private chat. How do I change it to private? Oh, oh not to that one. Oh, maybe you can't. Uh, but you can. Maybe you can tell me, and I can put okay. it in. Okay, guys, if you go on Z Health Performance, perform. I don't get any money for this, by the way. Z Health <laughs> Performance on their website, they've got something called the Balance Gym. Balance. Oh, I I put gym. it on, on here. Oh yeah, if you put it in there, I can copy it. You can yeah. copy and paste it, guys. I really recommend this. Um, ZL Performance, um, they, they, they taught me about the vestibular system, so they know their stuff. And they created this really nifty little program, which I think will be good for you guys if you have got scoliosis, mm -hmm. just teaching you how to stimulate your vestibular system through lots of little drills. And guys, it takes quick. It's like a 20-minute video. You can do that three or four times a week. And what you want to do is you want to um, wake up this part of your brain because it's so powerful. Mm, yes, absolutely. I'm I'm taking one of their courses at the moment. And those who, who are coming to my Wednesday yoga for scoliosis class, they already get, get some things sprinkled into this. And so there's all you these weird so movements all of all of the sudden coming up and they're like, why do I have to circle my finger? <laughs> <laughs> it's good for you. It's very good for you. It's good for your brain. <sighs> Okay, so we've we've got another. Um, so I'm just going to bring Kate's question up from from before because it was quite funny. So she's got a, a serious question and a and a silly question um, for both of you. How can you start making your body flexible? And then second was obviously where are you ticklish? So Celeste is ticklish everywhere. Um, my feet are very very ticklish. I cannot stand anyone touching my feet at all it's I cannot have reflexology it's 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 just horrendous that this is my little <laughs> but so actually I've got some really cool neuroscience I can tell you guys about both on the tickle front okay. but also the first part of the question was how can you start making your body more flexible and guys, if that's what you want, <laughs> you might not want right, this now after this <laughs> yeah so listen guys one of the things you have to remember is your brain doesn't care if you're happy and thriving through life or if you're just in bed watching Netflix. Its main concern is your safety. It mm -hmm. genuinely doesn't care. And if you know what, you're actually more safe sitting on the sofa every day watching Netflix than you are <laughs> going out, working, cooking, very dangerous, you know, all, everything is dangerous to the brain. And if the brain perceives a threat, it'll produce an output to keep you safe. Sometimes the output's unwanted. Pain, nausea, dizziness, fatigue, anxiety, sounding familiar? Mm. Stiffness, loss of strength. Because 
if you're not quite feeling your best, what do you do? You take yourself off to bed, stop doing the exercise, put on your comfy shoes. You, mm. you don't, if you're not pushing yourself, your brain knows that you're going to be safe. And so your brain will give you unwanted symptoms to change your behavior. So if you want to become more flexible, one of the things you got to do is you have to teach your brain that it's safe. And sometimes that's by doing things like challenging your vestibular system. Telling your vestibular system, when I cross the road and I turn my head like this, you are safe. Because we've done it a million times at home where you're safe and sound with a sofa right behind you, you can't fall over. But imagine mm -hmm. if every time you did that with a sofa behind you, your brain freaks out and you start feeling sick. How are you going to do that? How are you going to cross the road? Your brain's going to go, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to keep her safe from crossing that road. I'm going to make her very stiff because she's not going to be able to walk for very far. Or I'm going to give her pain or dizziness and nausea. In fact, I'll give it all, I'll give it all at once. <laughs> so the thing that you've got to remember is sometimes learning about your brain, uh, your visual system, vestibular system learning about um overall threat like not drinking enough water not taking enough time to rest making sure that you eat healthy food keep your stress low with toxic people don't watch the news so often it seems like oh my god you've mentioned so many things how am i supposed to know what's making me feel yeah. this way it's overwhelming yes it is overwhelming and i agree but you know what else? It's holistic. Because till mm. now you've been told, oh, your headache is, you know, you need to take this pill. Mm. Or, oh, you're stiff because you're not stretching enough. And mm -hmm. maybe that's true, but it's only one tiny piece of the puzzle, guys. We have to zoom out and we have to look at the bigger picture. And through that, it can actually be really empowering. Mm. So what, what I'm hearing here is that, for example, let's say, um, I've got really tight hamstrings and I really want to be able to touch my toes for, first of all, for my ego, but also maybe, you know, for convenience, for tying my shoes, for example. Okay, so let's are do you something saying, for that. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Are you, are you saying that maybe um, something else rather than stretching my hamstrings could be the solution? Let's do something all together. 100% this is not going to work for all of you but I bet it's going to work for a majority of you guys. Are you ready for this? Yes. Yeah. We're going to stand up. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to assess where's our forward fold today. So you're just going to reach down to your toes. And you're going to be like, yeah, I feel a bit of tightness here. I'm almost flat with my hands, but not quite. I've got like a little a little gap between my heel of my hand and the floor. So you're just assessing how you're feeling. Yeah. You, yeah. And then, you know what? Let's actually be even more accurate. Let's warm up into that for a few times. Stand, okay. fold, stand. Let's do like, I don't know, five or six. <laughs> just so that there's no false positives. You can't yeah. say that I've tricked you. <laughs> I've not done any voodoo magic. Because I wasn't actually warmed up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're doing a few and then retest again after you've warmed up a bit and just see where do you feel the tightness? Yeah. 
didn't make much of a difference (laughs) some people struggle with this one it's a it's a big threat one for a lot of people yeah now what we're going to do is a breathing drill and it's a bit of a nasty one because what you're going to do is you're going to do as many squats as you can holding your breath okay when you go i need to breathe breathe take one breath to recover not 10 but we're going to do it after an exhale so we're going to breathe in breathe out we're going to hold our breath we're going to do as many squats as we can <sighs> when you need to breathe you breathe and then okay. we're going to retest you ready okay let's do this Actually, yeah. we're going to do it three times just to be extra groovy with this okay you ready okay. yeah ready <laughs> inhale with me everybody exhale hold your breath and go Well done, you did loads. Oh, your heart rate gone up a bit. Definitely, definitely. Me too. Okay, shake it out. We're going to do it two more times. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, team, you ready? Inhale. Exhale. Hold your breath. goodness you ready to do it one more time yeah take it out seaweed arms <laughs> excellent last one now okay and then we're going to retest breathe in breathe out hold your breath Okay. Running out of steam there. <laughs> yeah, me too. That was intense. We've got this though. Now retest your forward fold. Oh yeah, that's better. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Mine too. Mine was better too. Definitely. Amazing. So what did we, do? we actually reduced the th- overall threat in your brain by targeting a part of your brainstem. We went in there and we did a little breathing drill that makes it feel more alive. And your brain was like, oh, I like this. And mm. what it does, that part of your brain sets your flexor tone. It gives you more flexion, which is what we just did. Yeah. And it increases your flexor tone. And what most of you probably found, I don't know what your comments are saying, is that you got that little bit of extra range. Mm. What are yes. your friends? So, because I, I always <clears throat> think it's more of um yeah, I didn't feel that tightness. I think it was more easeful the 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 second time I was I was bending forwards. It was definitely um, different and less. It felt less like a stretch sensation. And guys, that extra range that you just experienced in your forward fold. How much work do you normally have to put into your body to get that much additional range? I got to uh, like stretch for an hour, and then I'm like, oh, I got this much more. We just did one <laughs> air hunger drill, and yeah. Bob's your uncle. We what, took two or three minutes to do it. Yeah. Yeah, guys, let us know if you've done this. There's always a little bit of a delay. Um, so um, oh, we've a delay. got a question here. Can people without scoliosis use this exercise as well? So I'm not quite sure. 
Yeah. Which definitely. one were we referring they meant, to? They either meant the air hunger or the vestibular one. And yeah. yes. Definitely. Yes, yes, yes. Both of them are good for every person on the planet. The thing with scoliosis is we can consider scoliosis a symptom. Mm-hmm. That things, you know, I'm so reluctant to use the words things aren't optimal because your body is strong and resilient and it is optimal. Yeah. It's functioning so well. But if you're, if you have scoliosis and maybe you're suffering a little bit, maybe you have pain or maybe you don't feel like you're able to do what you want to do, then you need the stuff even more so than mm-hmm. our non-bendy, non-scoliosis counterparts. Mm. Yes. And um, yeah, absolutely. Exactly what, what you said. It doesn't mean that we are weak or less functioning, obviously, in any way. But no, things if might... anything, I have so much respect for the scoliosis community. You guys are true heroes. So... Um... Vipal is saying spine curvature, stomach muscles are weak. I had this question actually um, as well um, this week about um, uh, a hyperlordosis and and, and feeling kind of, um, yeah, the the tummy poking out basically is how it was how it was described. That can also be related to your vestibular system. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I know lots of times people are telling you to suck your stomach in. That can be really problematic, I think, for our pressure system in our lungs and in our diaphragms. Um, The vestibular drills can really help with that because it creates automatic engagement of these muscles without you needing to think about them. Mm. Um, It's really hard, Verpal, for me to give uh, an exact... um, call on what's going on in your body without seeing you mm-hmm. it would do you such a disservice because i would be here in a position of power and knowledge you know sitting here talking like i know everything mm-hmm. and i'm like oh it's definitely this and how do i know i've never met you i don't know your history so i think if you're ever in a situation like this where you do ask a question and you get a really clear answer from someone take it with a pinch of salt don't yeah. ignore it but don't put all of your faith in it because sometimes that person doesn't know because they've not met you. Yeah, absolutely. And and also take it as uh, your little toolbox of, um, you know, tools to investigate what's what's going on for you, right? So any, any of this information, you know, maybe just try some of these things out and see how they, how they feel in your body, right? And, and, and what difference uh, it makes obviously to you. Totally. Guys, you know how we just did a test retest? And by that, I mean, we did a forward fold, we did an intervention, the air hunger, and then we retested the forward fold. Do this. Choose something you want to get better at mm-hmm. and use it. Something simple. Don't go crazy. Something like, I don't know, like, does my neck touch my chest without mm-hmm. me feeling that horrible type feeling? Or are my shoulders able to extend up all the way? Or do they get stuck here? Choose something simple you want to get better at. Mm-hmm. And then trial out what people are telling you, retest. Oh no, my arm was lower that time. Oh, my body doesn't want that. Mm-hmm. Let me try, do something else someone else said. Oh, my arm went higher that time. That means your nervous yeah. system likes that and wants more of it. Yeah. And so what I found um, quite interesting and and I don't know what your thoughts are on this. So, um, and I know as with scoliosis, you know, loads and loads of side bending is, not you know maybe the 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 way forward but it's so telling right if you if you bend to one side it feels complete completely different 
to bending towards the other side. So I've been kind of playing with this a little bit and actually the other way around than you would think. So for me, um, my curve goes to the left. So in theory, bending towards the right would be easier, right? Because that's the way my spine goes. But actually, it's harder because, you know, mm. all those muscles, they're like, uh, they're already they're like, kind of. I've got you, Christine. Yeah, they're just holding on for dear life, basically. They are. They, yeah. <laughs> and oh, guys, remember that that's all from the brain. We do mm -hmm. tend to put our blinkers on and we think muscles, yes. bones, tendons, ligaments. They are a byproduct of your brain worried about you. And so mm. your brain is creating these neurological tension maps to help keep you safe yeah. okay we do tend to get a little bit hyper focused on the body part but we forget that the brain is always in charge yes yeah absolutely and we, you know especially so i just want to say this for for scoliosis especially because a lot of you guys have been just like myself living with scoliosis for a long long time um and maybe as you know as children maybe wearing a brace wearing one of those horrible plastic braces and basically being told that you have to be in alignment right you, you cannot you can this is the best place to be is 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 in in alignment and you know working so hard to not kind of do this, do that, do that, and, and being in alignment. So this can be quite, um, yeah, it, 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 it can be quite life-changing in a way to, to have this permission <laughs> to move, right? And, yes. to and guys, I think, you know, to Christine's point, we have to remember that your, your body, the way you use it forms a map in your brain. Now, mm -hmm. if you were in a new country and you had your phone, and it had a map of where you were going, you would be like, oh, okay, let's go there. Oh, yeah, I want to see that side. But what if you dropped your phone and smashed the screen and you cannot make out what's on that map and you now can't navigate where you're in that new place? It would be a little bit disconcerting to be in that new place. It wouldn't be as much fun. Think of it the same with your body. If you don't use your body, you won't build the map for those movements, mm -hmm. right? So if you never experience a side bend, now one day a pencil drops on the ground and you innocently bend down to pick up the pencil and your brain goes, oh, I've never experienced the side bend before and it freaks yeah. out and it gives you pain. It's not the side bend that's the problem and it's not even your body that's broken. It's your brain so afraid for your safety that it gives you pain to change your behavior. So mm -hmm. it's important to move your body in all the planes that are available to it. And I would suggest if you are following something like a squat method, do your squat exercises, work diligently, find your center, but don't be afraid to move out of your center. Yeah. Okay. Use your body in every way it can possibly be used and love every new place you can take it. And even when you're in that new place, let, I'll use my head as an example because I'm quite well framed. Let's say you experienced a side bend. Practice things in the side bend. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you see how I'm like challenging my movement patterns? Guys, do that with your whole spine. Rotate and instead of just side, 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 forward, back. You know, what about going da and then rotating forwards? 
and then doing a little circle there. Yeah, it's hard. And you're about to have smoke coming out of your ears. But good. Challenge your brain and all of the maps. So it becomes yeah. crystal clear and your brain goes, I know this. Mm. Not afraid. Take them there. Pick up the pencil. Run across the road. No problem. Mm. So I know what question will come up here and you might or might not be able to, to answer this. And I'm, and I'm sure that we just need a lot more research on this. But what about people who have got a full on fusion from the top down towards their, their sacrum? What, what does that mean for, for their brains, right? Being fixed in this position. So look, we can't obviously change what has happened to someone. And if they have been for surgery and they've had spinal fusion, we have to work with what we've got. But mm. I mean, for someone like me, that's a physio. My job is to make them the best person with a spinal fusion on the planet. Mm. And that means whatever movement there is, we stimulate it. And if we haven't got any movement, we sensory stimulate that area, not just with touch, but maybe we get an electric toothbrush Uh, oh, gosh, gosh, I've got one right here. And obviously you're not doing it on the toothbrushing <laughs> side, but you do the, the, the yeah. other side and you stimulate yeah. vibration. And then yeah. you get something ice cold and you stimulate yeah. the sensory of cold. And then you get something sharp and you stimulate pinprick um, and cotton wool and you stimulate all the different mechanoreceptors with touch mm. because neurons that wire together fire together. So yes, mm. maybe we haven't gotten movement at our disposal because we've had this chain of events that has led us down a certain path and now we've got to work with what we've got but we mm -hmm. can at the very least work with sensation yeah and there's loads of other things that we can do you know like yeah and hands and feet and you know can... the shoulder mm. totally there's loads we can do but i think my job would be to make you the best spinal fusion person on the planet mm -hmm. yeah um, so let's show, I, I'm sorry, I'm taking all your time, Celeste, but this is just so amazing. And, and no, I'm loving it. Know. Honestly, I'm buzzing. <laughs> um, have we got a few minutes to just go through some Absolutely. questions here? Let's do it. Okay. So, um, so Liz was saying, uh, she, she was a little bit late. She did the air hunger one said nice. Okay. What kind of exercises are we discussing and how do we learn more? I wish I knew more about my vestibular system. So Liz, you might want to go back through the chat. We, I yeah. did put some uh, information or I did put the, the name Z Health Performance in there, which is a great um, place to, yeah, a great resource here. Uh, get the balance, Jim. And also, Liz, do watch the chat from the beginning so you have more context. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it you might don't have be to quite, go over it again. Might yeah. be quite weird jumping in here midway and and thinking what what are, what they, are they talking up to? about yeah what no totally it's on? a bit it's a bit random but we did give a lot of context before yeah so Virpal was saying uh, thanks a ton for moral support get explore some oh, of the videos it's so nice to meet you Virpal super challenging um, moving our bodies beyond our structured boundaries so we don't have to go beyond structured boundaries maybe I wasn't clear like you're not trying to take your body beyond where it can go but you are trying to teach it all the movements that are possible in that area so for example i know my elbow bends too much 
Now I'm going to teach my arm to be strong right to the edge. I'm going to give it lots of rotation. I'm going to give it flexion extension. Those are basically the main things an elbow can do. But instead of always doing it with my arm in this position, I'm also going to practice it with my arm in this position or down here or weight bearing. I'm going to practice every single thing my joint can do comfortably, full range of motion with activation in as many different positions and loads. Maybe I'm holding a weight and doing it in many different challenging positions as possible. So just wanted to clarify that because taking it beyond its structural boundary is not something I advocate. Mm. And that kind of brings us back to, to hypermobility probably as well, isn't it? So um, um, that's what I take away from, from, from your book, kind of coming back to that, is uh, you want to kind of be, stay in your range of motion, of course, but then you do want to do it, um, explore it actively rather than passively, isn't it? That's what I... Yeah, and look, that. that's, I mean, guys, the body is so nuanced, right? Mm. To categorically say you're never going to do a passive stretch for the rest of your life is completely, it's not, it's not right, right? We're always going to do some passive stuff. But the reason we turned passive stretching into a supervillain, passive range of misery, man, <laughs> is because we obviously come from a yoga background and we were seeing people just hanging in their joints, doing passive stretches all the time. And they weren't, they didn't know how to control their bodies. You know, they were doing fantastic, really impressive things. But then if you'd ask them, lift your foot one inch in that pose or not, don't hold your foot in that pose or don't use the strap, they would all fall apart. And so our job as um, teachers and practitioners was like, can we inspire people to do their passive work, but then to come out of it for a period of time as well and show us they've got control of their range. Mm. Good. Um, I'm sorry, you guys, I'm going backwards here. But um, Jocelyn is, is, is saying um, that was happening with her daughter as well. Um, I think that was about um, the vestibular system as well. Okay, we got that. Was there anything else you wanted to say about the tickling or have you uh, have you addressed yes, that? Actually, sorry, it was just uh. to say a hypervigilance with, with tickling is also a threat response from the brain. So, for example, if I was working with you, Christine, yeah. I would start to in a low grade You would way, touch my feet. I wouldn't touch your feet because <laughs> you wouldn't be happy about it. No. I would get you to touch your feet and I would get you to start applying different stimuli to your foot. Like you probably used to shoes and socks. Mm -hmm. So I would get you to hold a sock and rub the sock on your foot. Just so it's a stimulus you're kind of used to, but in the rubbing action would be new. Then when you start getting a bit more familiar with that, we'd take cotton. And again, with a nice, strong, vigorous touch, we would rub. Um, I, again, vibration from an electric toothbrush, um, maybe build you up bit by bit to different sensations on your feet until eventually that that hypervigilance that you're experiencing, which is a threat response from the brain, we start to slowly tone it down because it's not normal to be that, um, not, not, not normal. It's, it's something to pay attention to mm -hmm. that your brain is freaking out at that level when 
when there's touch on your feet because our feet are actually one of the most sensory parts of our body. We used to walk barefoot in the fields and in the bush and through thorns hunting. So you should be able to tolerate a lot of sensations through your feet. And Mm. because it occupies such a massive area in your brain, we need to... We need to build that back up because it's your maps. Remember, if you break your iPhone without your maps, you're going to struggle to get around. So we need to build the map of your sensory map of your foot. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So uh, I'm going to have to practice Some homework uh, for you. Yeah. Walking, walking on the beach over those pebbly uh, English yes. <laughs> beaches. Wherever you see people take putting their shoes on to walk on difficult terrains, um, within reason. Take your shoes off, you know, practice walking around <laughs> like this. Try not to be too precious about the softness of your feet. Get them challenged. Mm. So Liz was asking, is, is power yoga, which is constantly moving, similar? I'm, I'm not quite sure which one this relates sure. to. There's always, there's always a little bit of a delay. So <laughs> maybe Sorry she about asked that. again. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's take the the last one. <clears throat> How do we determine feeling of pain due to actual injury versus threat response from brain? Oh, that's such a great question. I understand. I understand the question. Oh, yeah. another day in paradise. You are so smart. So just to clarify, all pain is in your brain. Even if there's a proper injury, the pain is not in the body parts. It's always in your brain. And that is why... When we scan people with really severe injuries, some of them have no pain. They're like, yeah, no, I feel great. And we look at the scan and we're like, are you sure? Because you should be falling apart with this. And then other people, we take scans and there's nothing wrong with them. And they are in excruciating pain. Pain is always in your brain. Pain is not a great indicator if you're actually injured. Hmm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It's not a great indicator, not only because of what I've just described to you, but also because the pain tends to get pushed away from the site of insult. Not always, but sometimes. For example, as a physio, I'll be, you know, working on someone's body and they'll, they'll come in with a sore hip. And after a lot of digging, I'm like, oh, your shoulder, what's up with your shoulder? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've got a shoulder problem. Uh, I broke my collarbone skiing three years ago. And that will translate into the hip. Okay, so pain is not a great indicator as to what is going on in your body. It's very, um, it's not, it's not very helpful. Let's put it that way. Mm. It can sometimes be very misleading. We can stare ourselves blind down a rabbit hole thinking that we are solving a problem by going to the physio and getting our back massaged because we have back pain. And actually, the problem with your back is you've not been using your eyes with enough variety. Wow. This is how complex it is. And actually, I'd like to just throw in something called the biopsychosocial model. Uh Biology is the first part of that word, bio. Psycho, of course, the psychology, how you perceive pain and how remember we've got dedicated pain regions in our brain if you practice those pain regions enough they become stronger and in addition to that you've got society the biopsychosocial so if you've been brought up being told you're very delicate and you know you mustn't hurt anything because you're so precious and so little you're going to grow up tender and you're going to probably not be not as trustworthy of your resilience 
And maybe you're not going to be as, I mean, this, we see this across language we use with boys and girls a lot. Mm-hmm. You can do it. You're tough. You're strong. Don't worry if you fall down. You, you know, like we dust them off and we send them on their way. With little girls, we're like, oh, little precious darlings, you know. So that forms how the brain perceives pain. Okay. So again, it feels overwhelming because now there's so many variables, but at the same time, think to yourself, no, this is good because it's holistic. We aren't putting a band-aid by going, oh, you're definitely, you've got this. This is what's wrong with you. Because how do we know? We don't know fully. If someone goes with a shoulder problem and they get diagnosed as a rotator cuff issue, we don't know unless we've scanned that shoulder or taken an x-ray. We don't Mm. know. And sometimes even the scans can be very misleading. And did you know that if you show someone a scan, this is why I think they've stopped doing this in some hospitals. Let's say if you show someone a scan, instantly their pain increases by 13%. Wow. So this is, you know, well, and, you know, I think this is so, so relevant to to those with scoliosis because we are shown a picture of our spine, right? And, you know, oh, my goodness, it looks like a... How can I even be standing? (laughs) Yeah. We need to be so careful of this stuff. Mm -hmm. We need to not buy into it so much. Trust your bodies. Mm -hmm. Your bodies are un real mechanisms and your brain is very very clever tell your brain you're resilient put yourself in lots of tricky situations let your brain figure out how to handle them you're going to get far more from it than thinking your body is delicate and broken and if you move in a certain way you're going to exacerbate your issues Hmm. well there's lots of love for you coming in here love to less attitude great discussion and yeah another day in paradise saying thank you so much i can see this makes great sense especially when i think of using distraction to reduce feelings of pain and i think i you know maybe you need to come back celeste and and talk about pain because it's it's such a big love that it's such a big um topic and i'm sure you've got so many so many things to um to share and then we've got a question will this be recorded yes absolutely so this is on um it's a live stream on youtube so you can watch it again and again and again afterwards as well guys how lucky are you all to have christine well how lucky am i to have to have you celeste and And all the listeners who come and oh yes we're so lucky to have you guys honestly a big team effort all around absolutely um so tell us celeste how can we find you how can we um work with you what's the best way do you know what? I'm gonna just drop, I'll first of all, just drop my website into the chat. Christine, you might have to do a little copy and paste situation. And yeah. then for those of you who are on Instagram or YouTube, oh, I must do more for you guys um, on my YouTube channel, actually. I'm gonna, I'm so gonna take Celeste inspiration. So Physio, is that? Uh... That's, uh, that's Instagram. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then Jess Ferrero Yoga is my YouTube channel. That's. I um, think. Yeah, I think that is the if you type it in, it'll come up. (laughs) But yeah, I'm sure if you if you look for Celeste Pereira, she's pretty famous, Mm -hmm. so um, I'm sure Ah, you'll. Not at all. But you know what, guys, my mum doesn't. So annoying. Honestly, when I discovered how to properly spell Celeste, I nearly attacked her. 
she doesn't like silent vowels. And at the time, I just thought, how could you not give me an E at the end of my name? <laughs> but in some ways, it's good because it's very easy to Google me now. Right. You just type in Celeste with no E, I'll probably come up because I'm okay. the only one with a mum who doesn't like silent vowels. <laughs> doesn't like silent vowels. But you don't say it's Celeste. Why do you need it? I'm like, because that's how you spell Celeste. <laughs> There we go. Okay, lovely. And then obviously, um, let's give another shout out to Adele Bridges as well. He, he yeah. co-wrote obviously the, the book. He's... Let's see if I've got a little picture of the two of us. So oh, guys, yes. this is me obviously loving. Lovely. <laughs> Love it, because it's backwards, it's hard. There's me, but this is my buddy Adele who wrote the book with me. Um, and we put so much love into it. I really hope that you guys enjoy it. Let me see if I can find you a funny picture. Some of the oh yeah, I, I love your facial expressions. <laughs> Basically, these are all our superheroes. Oh yeah, agility muscles and active range, and yeah, um, hopefully you can see we put we, we I, try I to show make you it my as entertaining one. as possible. I show you my favorite one here. This is uh, the the uh, type of uh, facial expressions that we get from <laughs> from, from Celeste. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> We really wanted the book to be fun. So we sincerely hope that you guys who are reading it, you feel that, you know, you, you enjoy the read. It's not just like, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> how am I going to yeah. get through another anatomy book? And, you know, I, I'm, I, so I don't think I am in the, in the hypermobility camp after today. I think I'm not, but, you know, I'm learning so much from it. So I don't think it's, it's just for those with, with hypermobility. Um, I think anyone can, can benefit from, from all the goodness in there definitely and also you're a you're a yoga teacher christine so you probably work with quite a few bendies and just having oh, yes. a little bit more knowledge as to how to support this community i think is really important because guys about a third of the population has hypermobility and a lot of mm. people don't know it yet and a lot of them are called hypochondriacs when they go to the doctors so i think being a bit more educated and knowing how to support this population i think we could all do better for mm. our bendy family Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Celeste. Thank you, Christine. And thank you everyone for being here with us and listening and yeah, just being open to learning new things. Yes, lovely. Okay, so just before we go, just a quick one. Next week, I'm doing an open Q&A so you can bring all your scoliosis and yoga questions. Obviously, come back to, to the chat with me. And yeah, stay on Celeste and I'll say goodbye to everyone. Bye everyone. <laughs> Bye everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I would be super grateful if, if you could leave me a five-star rating and review, which will help me to create lots more amazing content. If you have any questions or suggestions, reach out to me on Instagram at yogaberry.scoliosis or visit my website at www.yogaberry.net